0: Welcome to Photo Mission Focus discussing photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode of Focus, I'm flying solo. On this episode of Focus, I thought I'd talk about a recent photography experience. You've heard me talk about Sip and Shoot on previous podcasts. So Sip and Shoot actually turned one. So they actually they had a uh, celebration for their first birthday of running those types of events. So it was a bit different to the normal events but there was a lot of people come along there was lots of different models and there was similar setups previously where there was different areas of shooting and I think it was just an opportunity for people just to have a bit of a play so I went along took a few of my lights along as well some of the aperture lights which we bought for the showroom so they were they worked out really well because they could utilize those and put them on the sets and I think the Interesting thing for me was like there was a lot of diversity there with models, like all different experiences. Some were very experienced, some had you know little experience in modelling. So that's why they were there, basically to try and get some experience. And there was a lot of I suppose diversity within the photographers that there. All the photographers, all probably in different places, all shooting with different gear, and again, all trying to chase different um, looks and different images. So it was interesting, I thought I'd just give probably my mindset on the night and my approach to how I went about shooting it and basically give you some ideas so if you ever go along to an event like that maybe sometimes things that I did maybe will be helpful for people to take on board if they want to kind of go off and do their own event like this or go to one of the events that have been running so they at least they kind of know what to expect. Now there's a lot of new photographers there too so there's a couple of photographers i talked to her you know first time there. So again, they didn't really know what to expect. But again, it's a really great experience from the point of view because literally there's absolutely no pressure to produce a shot. So it's unlike if you're doing a paid gig where you have to actually deliver some shots at the end of the night, there was actually no pressure whatsoever. So if you walked away without a single shot, all's good. No no one no one uh no one's gonna get upset about that. But the reality is, you know, as yourself, like you you pretty much like most of us put a fair bit of pressure on ourselves to make sure we actually deliver something so my goal is always to deliver a number of shots and over the night I probably I don't know I edited up over I think over 120 images from the night which I considered to be kind of keepers and there's lots of other images I took quite a few images on the night can't remember exactly how many but there is quite a lot but again i normally go through and what i do for you know when i after the shoot i kind of go through and i cull those and i do a first cull and then i come back and do a second cull and then i basically edit edit some of those images up so but i thought i'd talk about maybe you know going into the shoot the preparation of it and it's always important to anytime you're going to take your camera out and shoot it's always good to go through the preparation cycle that's like basically making sure all your batteries are charged making sure you've got Plenty of room on the SD cards, or you know, putting in new SD cards, or whatever if they have got memory cards to deal with. Also, thinking about your lens selection, I will um, very rarely take all my gear to a shoot because it's just it's just too much to kind of drag along. There's a lot of lenses that that I wouldn't probably use. I took a couple of lenses along because I knew there was a couple of people who wanted to try a couple of different lenses as well so that's quite often something i don't mind doing if there's a fellow photographer there and they want to kind of thinking about buying a, a lens and they haven't played with it what better way of actually learning about that lens is actually putting it on your camera and actually using it in the real world and shooting so there was a couple of those experiences for people that they could use you know a couple of my bits of kit so what did i actually have in the kit so i take to these types of events i take i still take two bodies and the reason i take two bodies is that typically. It's about not changing lenses on the fly. I mean, when you're doing event photography, typically you don't have time jumping from you know different lenses. So typically that's why I normally shoot two bodies. But here again, same reason that I could shoot between two bodies and I could have two different setups and then basically choose which camera to shoot what type of content I was shooting at the time. So the two bodies that I took along to the night were a Canon EOS R5 and a Canon. EOS R6 Mark 1 and paired up those cameras with on the R5 I started out with the 50mm RF 50mm 1.2 which pretty much stayed on that body all night and it is my kind of for this type of shooting that is my go-to lens it's just such a versatile lens 50mm you can shoot really shallow at 1.2 and you get a really unique look to the to your images and that's something I really love about that lens. That it really does have a very unique look and it is so sharp. It's tack sharp. It's it's a beautiful lens and the focus on it is so quick. It's stunning. But what other lenses did I take? So on the R6, I had the 70-200 and I find that's a really versatile lens, the 70-200 focal length because you can quite often, sometimes you're doing a tight shot. So again, if you want to try and I suppose eliminate some of the work at the end of the night or the next day whenever you edit images is is to try and get your framing in camera rather than having to to crop stuff. Typically, you know, I use the 70-200 to, to pull in like headshots and stuff like that to get them framed up the way I like them and then basically be able to shoot them and then when they do eventually go into the computer and they go into post, I don't really have to do much to it because they're already kind of sitting pretty much where I want them to be. It might just be a little bit of a straighten or something like that because you've just... Uh, a little bit off but I try and get as much of it in camera as possible because again one thing you do learn and this is a tip I'll say to everyone take that extra time to just try and get things right in camera so the more things that you can do while you're shooting are going to save you a lot of time and effort afterwards I know a lot of people kind of just say, oh, I'll fix it in post I'll fix it in post I just find You just don't have the time. I don't have the time personally to be able to spend a lot of time fixing stuff in post that I could have easily avoided when I was shooting it by just slowing the process down. So sometimes it's worth, you know, just slowing the process down, getting your thoughts together, looking at where your setup is and getting the camera exactly how you want it. And like I said, get yourself in the position where you can can shoot to get a particular composition. And again, that's going to save your time, like I said, when it comes to editing just by having those just doing those couple of little little things so those two lenses were used for quite a bit of the night but I also had a few other lenses there so I actually took in the the RF 16mm prime which is a 2.8 lens and they can they can get some really interesting shots particularly kind of like shooting some of the behind the scenes stuff because you can get so much in the frame with a on a full frame camera with a 16mm lens it's really quite a lot of a lot of picture you're actually getting i also took the 35 1.8 which is again is a very versatile lens it's just a great focal length great for that type of work as well and the other thing i took was the 85 f2 rf f2 lens now the like the 16 mil the 35 and the 85 aren't expensive lenses in the scale of things you know if you get the rf say 1.2 lens that's quite an expensive lens it's beautiful glass I've shot with it I do love it but I decided not to own one I decided to have an 85 in the kit but I went for an f2 and it's not at the end of the day yes the 1.2 is is lovely and it gives a really nice feel a nice picture and again that's why I love about the 50 mil 1.2 but it's not kind of it's not a deal breaker. It's still a great lens and it can give some really good results. And I think sometimes, and look, I spoke to a number of photographers on the night, and some of them are just starting out and they've just like got their, they've got one body and they've got one or two lenses and they're just trying to decide what to buy in their kit, you know, what type of lenses to buy. And it's always a challenge because, like I said, once you decide, you know, once you kind of start really investing in lenses, you're really investing in a system so whether you, whatever platform you're shooting on firstly I think be sure that you're comfortable with that platform and the camera and the things about the camera delivering what you need to get out of them because like some people like I said they start to invest in something and buying some lenses and only to find then that they want to change out to a different platform because of various different reasons so it's a really good exercise like I said particularly if you're starting out is to really understand how you might use your camera and and what you want to get out of it and make sure that you are kind of making the right decision because I know some photographers have said to me, oh, you know, I started off this and I bought that and then I felt obligated to stay in that system even though I didn't like this this, and this about the system but I had to kind of stay there and now like, you know, five years later I'm still kind of in that ecosystem and it is very, very hard to break out of an ecosystem. I know, you know, quite often it happens and people, you know, non-photographers might think about You know, phones because quite often people will be an Android user, so they go Android, 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 and other people are Apple users, and they're very different. The phones are very, very different. The operating systems are different. They do things differently, and then eventually, sometimes people then will come over and go, you know, what I want to change over to this particular platform for whatever reasons. Sometimes, like so, they realize the other platform they're in wasn't giving them everything they wanted. So again. It's a really good exercise, like I said, to really understand how you might be going to use your camera and how where your photography may go, particularly if you're kind of at that point of where you're just kind of getting started and you haven't invested in a lot of gear because at that point then if you did have to change platforms, you haven't kind of tied a lot of money up. So again, just something to think about. And like I said, there was a number of photographers on the night which I spoke to who, like I said, were fairly new to photography. So they had, like I said, they were just trying to build their kit and a few of them like were asking, you know, what what type of lenses should I buy for this type of work? And I'm going, Well, and I, I think the kind of some of the lenses that are kind of really useful are that 35, 50, 85 range. They're really, really useful and they work really well. So if you can put something like that in your kit, have one at least, you know, one of those lenses in there, yeah, it's nice to have a wide something the sixteen and that again, but again, the sixteen is a kind of a specialized lens where I only probably took I don't know maybe 10-12 shots with the 16mm. There's just a couple of shots that I wanted and where I wanted that kind of wide look but again it's not the lens that you use all the time because pretty much if you're shooting a model you're actually pretty much nearly right up in her face because the, the 16 is so wide. I find that why I like working with models with the 50mm. The 50mm is a really good comfortable distance from the from the model so you're giving the model room and space to move around you've also got room and space to move around as a photographer so 50 is a really good starting point and a lot of people like they don't need to invest in a say like the 1.2 they can start off with 50 mil 1.8 effectively called by a lot of photographers the nifty 50 because it is such a great lens and quite often it's underrated that people don't realize how good you know 50 mil lens is particularly just even a 1.8 still works really well so again just understanding what you're going to shoot having thinking about what gear and like I said so the other thing like I always go to a shoot like that where I always go with a number of batteries I always take more batteries than I than I know I'm going to need because sometimes under different conditions too like you can go through batteries quicker than you expected so I always make sure that I've got plenty of batteries Um, and also the other thing is always you know make sure that I've got plenty of memory uh cards and stuff like that. So if I do have to fill a card up, which is very rare. I normally use like on a shoot like that, I use a thirty two gigabyte card. I find that's just a perfect size. And because my cameras like the R six is dual slot and how and how I have the camera set up, and this may be interested to to people out there listening, is how I set the cameras up and both cameras are set up the same is that I shoot raw to one card and I shoot JPEG large to the other card. And the rationale is obviously that, you know, having uh, redundancy is allows you to basically you know if something happened and you were have a card got corrupted or a card got lost or something you've got you know even like if you lost the raw card you've still got the the large jpeg which is not the end of the world because pretty much for these shots when i edit them unless i'm looking to pull something special out of them i typically only edit the jpeg files i don't even open the raw file unless i really 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 need it i'm trying to save something that i've underexposed or or whatever so i'm I'm trying to kind of get myself out of trouble by using the raw normally i try and shoot as close as possible to where i need to be so i don't really have to do much in post as far as exposure correction and that type of stuff so so yeah so the gear basically two cameras a bunch of lenses and i think i shot with everything bar the 35 so i think on the night i used the 85 at one point i used the 16 at one point 70 to 200 and the 50 mil were pretty much the mainstay lenses and they and that combination worked really really well if you're kind of interested i suppose to see what type of shots i was able to get from that shoot you can if you jump on my instagram account which my you know, it's just stephen finkel and it's actually in the in the show notes so it's always in there so if you're going to jump on that you'll see in the last images that have been posted there all come from that event so again you'll give of an idea what the what type of results you can get and I think like I said the fact that you can go to these events and you're shooting purely for yourself it's not really for anyone else it is just takes the pressure off so you can really just have fun I mean that was really I was just having a ball this and again a couple of things I was doing, and again, I'll share these thoughts and might help people, and, you know, there was a couple of models who were asking, they were very new, like first time in front of the camera, they had a lot of questions, what should I put my hands, what should I be doing, and I like to do, I suppose, with models is if the mod- I can see the models moving and they're posing and moving around, I'd rather have them doing that organically than sometimes directing them because sometimes as soon as you direct them, they can start to look awkward because they're trying to do something. And, and there's also sometimes a bit of a communication breakdown. Sometimes you say, oh, look, put your head back or, you know, can you can you bring your hand up beside your face? You've got, I suppose, the idea that what that might look like, but they can interpret it differently. So when it does, they start doing it. And then, then you don't want to embarrass them by saying, oh, no, don't do that. You know, so I tend to, in these type of situations, because you're not, like, again, you're not, um shooting for a client. So you're not actually trying to have to get certain looks. Um, if you were trying to get a certain look, then obviously directing a model to get that certain look is going to be something you're going to need to consider and do. But in this instance, I said I just like using the letting them go organically and just letting them basically find their groove, find their spot, get comfortable, you know, because quite often when you start shooting, people are like, you know, okay, they're um, but people soon get into a kind of a groove. It happens exactly with photographers as it does with models. They get more comfortable as they're spending more time in front of the camera as they're moving around, and it still doesn't hurt to give them feedback, a thumbs up, that look great in these type of events. And again, the models are actually shooting, typically they're looking around because there's five or different cameras pointed at them. So the other thing to do is that you've got to, practice a bit of timing so quite often when you're at these events the models actually working basically with a number of photographers basically because and the models who kind of understand it will actually know that they need to kind of pose for this photographer and pose a few shots for that and then move to look at the next photographer and again just kind of work the work the room so to speak and again so what I would do is you'd wait for the model so the model knew that you were kind of ready to shoot and when the model's looking at you, you you kind of then start shooting and again so but then again some of the other shots too which actually work and you'll see it where the model's not looking directly at the at the camera but they're looking away from the camera because they're actually looking towards another photographer getting shot but they can actually make some really cool shots you know there's some shots here I took some side profile shots where the model's actually looking at someone else but the the side profile shot looks so cool and again it's just kind of playing around and experimenting and again don't be afraid to try things like photograph the model from from that side angle especially if they're working another camera because again they're doing what they think that photographer needs to see but it can make for some really interesting images come as a as about because where they how the light falls on their face and and those type of things and again it's just a i suppose a great way to try and get some shots that are different because I suppose one of my goals when I go into one of these shoots like these things is to come around way of some shots that are probably a little bit unique sometimes yeah there's a lot of bog standard kind of fashion type shots in there as well but there's also I always try and get a couple of shots where they're kind of a little bit different maybe a little bit edgy a little bit kind of and particularly if the model is playing up for the camera a little bit where you know shaking their head or doing something those type of things can make for interesting shots if you can get the timing right and again Quite often with these types of shoots, it is about timing. It's about actually really watching what's going on, and this. And I've said this before in photography, you have to be able to read the play. Anything you photograph, you kind of have to be one or two steps ahead of where the action is. You know, and I practiced this when I was doing sports photography. That just to kind of you know understanding how the play was going to something might play out, so you can actually be anticipating you might ask how do you anticipate what's going to happen with a model and a well I don't know what it is and I can't exactly put it into words and I can't tell you how to how to learn it. it to me it's something that has happened over many many years of shooting is that I've developed this kind of I suppose sense of what's going to happen next and being able to kind of anticipate stuff and be able to get shots that quite often other people may miss because they didn't you know, it happened for a split second. And, you know, I've got lots of shots like that where it was just a very brief interaction, the model turned to someone else to give them a smile or whatever and then quickly snap back to where they were. And again, sometimes like those shots can be really, really cool shots. And again, but you've really got to be able to quickly react to getting those shots. And again, I can't tell you how you prepare yourself. I can't tell you how you learn that skill. Um, There'll be photographers out there listening who actually know exactly what I'm talking about, how they just somehow know when to take the shot, you know, what's going to happen, that just wait a second and take it now, and then you get that shot. And when you do go back and look at the shot, somehow you go, how did I know that was going to be like that? Like, that's incredible. And again, I can't tell you the reasons for it, I don't know, but it's something that happens, I think, with just experience, just out there shooting having those you know the experience of just being able to get out of your camera and be comfortable with your camera and again just being able to take those shots so again so in this episode I'm just talking about a recent sip and shoot event I went to which was just a like I said it was there celebrating their first birthday there was it was probably the busiest event of it's of that type that there's so many people there there were lots of different people there. there was a lot of action there was a lot of people buzzing around and again it was kind of little bit chaotic at times and it was like a bit you know chaotic but it makes for some interesting shots particularly and the other thing which I do look for in those particular instances is as well as the you know on set shots where that's where the model is and you know the the set set up and the lights are but I also look for what's happening in the room quite often there's interaction between other photographers you know helping each other out or showing shot or photographers actually you know had shot a model and had the model aside and kind of going through the shots and explaining you know this I've got this I've got this I've got this and getting their reactions sometimes they're really cool shots to get because I like kind of getting that behind the scenes shot so it's kind of just seeing that another side of photography about the kind of how as you know photographers are sharing that you know they're sharing what they're capturing and basically using that to give kind of feedback to the models and whatnot so I've got this and similarly like two other photographers who may be starting out say well look here's a here's a couple of shots that I took and this is what I this is how I took them and this is why I did it and this is the result and you, and you can see that, that they look a particular way and again this is like I said just sharing some information and look, with a couple of the um, photographers who are kind of fairly new what I did is I after I kind of edited up the shots that would kind of go out to people so they can people can use them on their socials and those type of things, is I did share them with some photographers purely because I knew that they were just t- kind of starting out and I knew that they were trying to probably wonder what type of shots they can get. To give them an idea of some of the shots because I shot some very moody black and white, really, it was all really low-key photography because I really wanted that gritty, um, moody black and white, I looked you know, look to to the scene, and there was a couple of scenes there where there was a model sitting down against some lockers, and there's a rubbish bin there, and I shot it really, really low key. So he's kind of like the model's just in the, in this environment, and it could have been, you know, you don't know where where he is. He could be in a warehouse, he could be on, you know, somewhere just kind of homeless or whatever. But I just wanted to capture something a little bit different. And, like I said, on some of the other sets, you're shooting that where well, you're kind of shooting it not, not really high key, but you're nice and bright, what I'd call bright and airy shots where they're nice and bright. But again, you can really mix it up. And I think it's really interesting for photographers to learn that you can actually play around with the exposure and be able to create these different scenes. And that's the other thing, too. So, shooting on the night in this particular instance, what I do is I've actually. Shooting everything in manual mode. So what I'm doing, I'm in manual. So I'm setting. I've picked a. I've picked an ISO that I'm comfortable with. I've picked the aperture. And if I'm shooting with the 50 mil, it's always 1.2. It's always wide open. And then I was shooting at a shutter speed to give me enough, to give me enough latitude that if the model suddenly moved, that my shutter speed was fast enough to be able to freeze the action. Because quite often, some of those you know good shots are where the models kind of jumping around doing stuff and again you might have a really good shot but if your shutter speed's too slow so i don't i don't freak out about iso these days i mean i'll let you know i think i was shooting at 1600 sometimes so i could shoot really fairly high shutter speed for some of the scenes and again 1600 these days in a a modern mirrorless camera is is nothing it's it's you know some people think you still got to shoot at base iso and the reality is you just don't have to. I mean, you can actually let the ISO creep up and be able to use that as a part of your creative set of tools because that allows you, like I said, to have that faster shutter speed so you can actually freeze some of that some of that action and not not and sometimes it looks good like sometimes when model flicks their hair back, sometimes it looks great when you've actually frozen it and you can actually see they're flicking the hair back or you know, because that action's hair's out and it's, and it's whereas when sometimes when you're shooting a slow shutter speed the hair drops through the frame and it's really, it's a little bit, it becomes like, oh, is the hair just messy or is, or what, you know? So again, it's kind of like just playing around of different things. But I thought on this episode I'd just share some thoughts. Like I said, the camera setup, the lens setup, and like I said, so basically, you know, cameras are set in full manual mode. And like I said, the I obviously use the autofocus of, of the mirrorless cameras, and that's one of the most incredible things I use. And I always have on these types of shoots, I always have eye detect on because it's just like that's what I suppose my goal is obviously to try and capture the model's eyes and get them sharp as possible. So I'll be using the camera in that mode where it'll actually look for the look for the eye and that's what it will focus on. Because the other thing too, when you're shooting wide open at 1.2, you've got a very shallow depth of field. And again, so if you kind of um, get the focus off too much, like if you're focusing uh, on their chin, then the eyes can be a bit, out of focus because you but if the eyes are in focus you can actually make up for other things not quite being perfectly in focus you can get away with it but the eyes are kind of the they're kind of the magic they're the secret source, they're the thing that you kind of want to get right so again so yeah so hopefully this episode you can think about something like I said you know when you go and shoot do one of these types of shoots and there's a lot of photo walks and different things similar to this where you can go out and shoot and again there's no pressure on you to actually shots but again go there with the idea that you're going to try and get some shots because you want to kind of come away with something but don't beat yourself up if you kind of you know don't get the shots that you thought you got use it as a learning curve and if you do get a shot and it's messed up really kind of do you know do really examine that shot and work out what went wrong and why it didn't work and then understand the next time you do something similar you'll have a better understanding of why it didn't work and you'll be able to then put something in place to be able to basically fix it and make it make it right. So, yeah, again, so if you want to have a bit of a look at some of those shots, get a bit of an idea, what you know, what I'm talking about, jump on my Instagram account, have a look at that. Until next time, enjoy your photography and have fun. Talk to you soon. See ya.